You all ready? All right. I am excited to be here. I haven't had a chance to speak yet this year. That'll probably fall over. Um, I am excited. I said that. So here we go. Tonight we get to uh, enjoy who God is, and we're going to look at the whole book of Romans. Not really, but kind of. Um, so like they said, my name's Carrie, so let me just get going. God loves you. God loves you. Right? Maybe life sucks right now. Maybe things aren't going your way. Maybe your parents have treated you like crap. Maybe your supposed friends are being jerks. Maybe sin's got a hold of you in a way that you don't think it's ever going to let go. Maybe there's a hundred different reasons for you not to believe this based on your circumstances. But listen to this. Pay attention. God loves you. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you that you're here. I thank you that this is true, that you are a God of love. And so, God, I ask that tonight you would open our eyes and our hearts, that we would know, that we know, that we know, that we know that you love us and that it would change everything. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, God loves you. But don't take my word for it, right? Let's look at the scriptures. So we're going to go to Romans chapter 1, verse 7. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Just a little salutation, right? To those who are loved by God and called to be saints. I tend to just jump right over this, right? Probably every other time I've read Romans, I've just jumped right over it. But this year, over the last couple months, I just couldn't. I got stuck right here. We're loved by God. We're called to be saints. We're loved by God. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I think it is. You know, perhaps your perspective is more, of course God loves me, right? God is love. He created me. He loves everybody. It's no big deal. It doesn't really change my life. But I couldn't get past it. We are loved by God, the creator. I think, like, really? Why should I? Why should I be loved by God? I got nothing to offer him, right? He's complete. He's complete. And all that he is, I got nothing to bring to the table. And not, not only that, throughout my life, right, time after time, I have rebelled against him. You know, as a kid, I lied to my parents. As an adult, I lied to the insurance guy to get a better rate, right? As a kid, I stole candy from Kmart. As an adult, I stole a glass from the bar because I thought it was cool, right? I have been bitter. I have been overwhelming. I have been harsh with people. I have hurt people sexually. I have ignored God's will for my life. And I have consistently and regularly and repeatedly rebelled against God. I have made myself his enemy. 
And as I've talked with students, even several this last week, I've learned that most of us, if not all of us, have doubted that God loves us. You know, despite what everyone says about God being love and the innate value I have as a human being, I doubt we doubt God's love. And I've found as I've chatted with folks that there's some consistent themes as to why. Maybe when life doesn't go your way, do you wonder if God loves you? When you get cut from the team or you fail the test or you hit every stoplight on the way to that meeting and you're late. How about when every day is so hard, you find yourself repeating, I hate my life. How about waiting? Does waiting cause you to doubt God or question God's love? Waiting for healing, waiting for answered prayer, waiting for a husband or a wife? Or maybe it's when you're alone, when you go to the party, right, and there's people all around and you wonder, does anybody even care that I'm here? Or how about when those who are closest to you are the ones who are hurting you? Do you doubt God's love? How about when someone close to you dies unexpectedly or a loved one gets incapacitated by disease? Or someone you care about doesn't want you in their life anymore. Maybe you find more pleasure in your sin than you do in God. Or maybe sin has such a hold on you that you don't think you could ever get out. And how could God love me if I was still struggling with this? Or maybe you just remember your past and your sin and the shame you are filled with. And you think, how could anyone love me if they knew who I really was, let alone God? Have you doubted God's love? Do you doubt it now? And when we doubt God's love, it can become this consuming downward spiral. Again, as I've talked with dozens of friends about this, I've learned that that spiral can take different forms. For some of us, we just work harder. Right? We just, I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to find purpose in what I do, or I'm going to please people by my actions. Others chase relationships. How our friends respond to us can make or break our day. Our view of ourselves is determined by how others interact with us. We seek love, perhaps, from people instead of from God. Maybe you latch on to that relationship that you know is bad for you but they're paying attention to you. Well, you think that's the best I can get. Some of us run to comfort, right? As one song says, just sit down and drink a beer, right? Maybe it's sex. Maybe it's you numb the loss of love with just sleeping or entertainment or porn or drugs. It's just comfort. And then the fourth category I found is, is some of us just get stubborn and angry, shutting God out, refusing to pray, unwilling to believe anything other than the pain of our circumstances. And maybe for you, it's a combination of these. Maybe as a friend of mine shared with me this week, not believing God's love for you leads you down a road of great darkness where there's anger and depression and isolation 
and even thoughts of suicide. Life is full of struggle, really hard things that make us doubt if God loves us. Maybe even doubt if he's there at all. And here in the midst of this reality, we have the salutation to the Romans, to all who are loved by God and called to be saints. The writer here presumes God's existence, right? He's actually writing to people who believe in God and put their faith in Jesus. He believes, as other verses say, that all Scripture is inspired by God, that God created the world and all that's in it, and that God does not lie. And here, speaking for God himself, he says, we are loved by God. But how can we believe this? In the midst of all of the junk, let alone our own sin, how can we know that God loves us? Well, when we t- look at Romans, we go to chapter 5, verse 8. Right? And I can act like I'm looking this up because that's what I'm doing right now, but I, I don't have to because it makes such a difference. Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And further in verse 10, it says, While we were enemies to God, we become reconciled. And the truth is, you're right if you've been thinking this. Life sometimes does suck. You suck. I suck. We've done so much to deserve God's wrath. We truly have made ourselves God's enemies. But God loves us. How can we know when life is excruciating, when our shame overwhelms us, when we feel trapped by sin, how do we know? Jesus died for us. He took God's wrath for us, and God demonstrates our love for us, and that Jesus died on the cross for us. Jesus said, no greater love has any man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. God loves you. And you can know this not because somebody makes some general statement about how God is love and kumbaya, right? No, it's because Jesus died to rescue you from your sin and reunite you with God. Jesus said, God so loved the world that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God loves you. Jesus died for you. God actually wants to spend eternity with you. Wow. Wow. Whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. Will you believe that Jesus died for you to pay the penalty of your sin and rose from the dead so that you can live with God forever? Will you believe it? If so, you get the full fruit of his love. You get him. You get forgiveness. You get righteousness. You get acceptance. You get reconciliation, you get restoration, you get adoption, you get intimacy, you get the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and you get God, now and forever. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's freaking amazing, right? God loves us, his enemies. He loves us so much that Jesus dies so that we can have life. He loves us so, so much. And Romans unpacks this and So we're going to do a quick survey. I told you. I warned you. 
So chapter 3 says, in spite of the wrath we deserve, we're justified by faith in Christ, which means we're made right with God. Our sin is forgiven, satisfied by Christ's death, and we are given Jesus' perfection. Chapter 4 talks about how, what a blessing it is to be forgiven by faith. It notes a song from the Old Testament. It says, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord does not count as sin. And this blessing is received by faith. Chapter 5 tells us that we've been justified. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. God's wrath has been taken from us. Further, it says God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. And through Jesus Christ, we've received reconciliation, reunited in relationship with God. Chapter 6 tells us we've been set free from sin. See, before Jesus, right, we were slaves to sin. Now sin no longer has any power over us. Temptation is still tempting, right? But we now have the power to say no and walk with God. Chapter 7 says that we've been delivered from this, our body of death that always said yes to sin through faith in Jesus Christ. And then chapter 8, whoo, baby, chapter 8, there is now for now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. We learn the spirit that raised Christ from the dead and now dwells in us and gives us true life. And in us it cries out to the God, Daddy, Father, we've been adopted. We are children of God and co-heirs with Jesus. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. God loves you. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever has happened in your life, God is inviting you to place your faith in Jesus, to receive forgiveness and new life. And to know that you know that you know that God loves you. I find there's two areas that challenge this. Some of you have heard this a billion times. And yet there's two areas, if not more, that challenge our ability to rest in God's love. And the first is repeated sin. You know that sin that we go back to again? Personally, for me, historically, that, the big issue has been pornography. Being enticed again to find adventure, excitement, adoration, and pleasure with the fantasy of being with the woman on the screen. For you, it might be sex. It might be drunkenness. It might be comparison. It might be purging. It might be gossip. But when again you have done what you hoped never to do again, and I think this clip we got accurately captures God's response to us at this point of sin, shame, and regret. You shame me, Papa. What are you talking about? That's crazy. <laughs> my son, I love you. Why would I be ashamed of you? I don't know, I must have done something really wrong for this to happen to me. You've done nothing wrong, Stephen. You're a good boy. I love you. We love you. Your mother was always proud of you. I know you're hurt. It's 
understand. I love you. I'm proud of you. Sorry. I'm never proud of you than right now. Are you ashamed of me, Papa? Haven't we all asked that question? And what does the father say? What are you talking about? That's crazy. I love you. I'm proud of you. I know you're hurt. I understand. I love you. I have never been more proud of you than I am right now. This is how our father God sees us. Not based on our performance, right? But based on Christ's perfection given to us. He loves you and he's proud of you. The other significant challenge to our rest in God is how hard life can be. So what do we do with the reality that life is hard, even overbearing, when I hate my life flows from our tongue and we just want to escape? How can God love us and allow this reality? Romans teaches us that God has allowed sin and all that it creates in the world. How much life sucks is a consequence of sin. And it teaches us that God is using that in our lives. It says, God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Further, it may surprise you to learn that when we see God's purposes, we can even rejoice in our sufferings. Romans 5, 3 to 5 says, We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit given to us. Right? Rejoicing and suffering isn't natural, but it is possible as the Holy Spirit controls our lives and opens our eyes to God's purposes. God is transforming us through our suffering for our good and his glory. Romans 8 further teaches that the suffering will end. There's an end to it, right? There will be a day of a new creation. A day where death and decay and suffering will be no more, and we will live in harmony with God, with no sin or any of its consequences. Whew! That is going to be a good day. And Romans 8, 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed. And the Spirit of God that's been poured into our hearts is given to us, empowers us to endure and to set our hope on God who will bring this about. So our hardships are not God abandoning us. No, it's God working in our lives for our good and his glory. Brothers and sisters, you are loved by God. Have you heard it enough yet? You're loved by God and called to be saints. That means we're called to be like God, holy, set apart, living in harmony with him as his beloved children. This flows from knowing and experiencing his love. It's not like, you're loved, so suck it up and obey, right? Right? No, it's an outflow of 
experiencing God's love. You know, after laying the foundation of the gospel in the first 11 chapters of Romans, we get to chapter 12. In chapter 12, the writer transitions with this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In view of God's mercy, in view of what we've learned about God and his love and what he's done for us, offer yourself to God, a living sacrifice, living for him. It's the natural and proper response. It's the ordinary outflow of experiencing God's love. Have you ever been in love, maybe with another human? You want to please them, right? You want to be a blessing to them when you're in that richness, when you love your folks. There's this time that you just you want to make them happy. When we know God's love, we want to please him. But how do we do this? Right? It's not sucking it up, like we said. It's not exerting our will. So let's look at verse 2. It says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Soak in the truth of this love of God. Allow it to change you. Meditate on it. Celebrate it. Know that you are loved. Believe that you are adopted. See, our transformation comes from having our mind renewed. It's thinking differently. You know, old thoughts are going to continue to attack us, right? Like, God isn't good. God doesn't love me. I'm not worth anything. Right? We have to think differently. We place those with new thoughts. God is good, and everything he does is good. I'm a child of God, and a cherished possession. He values me so much that Jesus died for me. I put on your, I had friends actually put on your seat, two pages. One is what God says is true about me. It's great scriptures to help with this. Another is 40 lies that women believe. And let's be honest, as you look at that, it ain't just women, right? And we both, men and women both believe these lies, and it has the old thought there and then the new thought to replace it with. Ask God to help you to change how you think, to have your mind renewed. Believe what God says is true about you. And the best way I know how to change what I believe is reading the Bible. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. The more I take in the Word of Christ, the more I'm going to believe what's true of me the more I will know and experience God's love for me and the more I'll be transformed. And not only that transformation happens from the word, but right, the Holy Spirit is given to all believers and it empowers us to live out these new desires we have to live in harmony with God. And Romans 8, 2 says, the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. In verse 10, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will give us life and will empower us to live as Jesus did. You know, I shared earlier that one of the areas in my life that I've struggled is pornography. And I'm not going to go any more into that story. If that's something that you deal with or want to talk about God's journey of freedom for me and how that might help you, come find me. I'd love to talk with you about that or even help you connect with somebody else if you think you'd relate with them better. But another area in my life that I've wrestled with is gentleness. Right? And that's not so taboo, right? Ooh, gentleness. Um, but I found as I got married and was living in a relationship with my wife and we disagreed, I would raise my voice. I would speak harshly. 
And she'd talk to me and say, Carrie, stop yelling at me. And I'd get defensive. I was like, I'm not yelling. If you want me to yell, I can yell. I, I, I got a whole other level of yelling I can do. Right? And I, but she felt, she surely felt I was yelling. You know, and the Holy Spirit began to convict me. It's like, I'm damaging my wife. I'm hurting our relationship. I'm tainting her view of God. And I began to pray, God, change me. And I remember Galatians 5.22, that one of the fruits of the Spirit is gentleness. Like, I can't make myself gentle, but it's the fruit of the Spirit. So come on. Holy Spirit, control me. Change me. Make me more gentle. And as I began to pray and trust God for that, you know what? I became more gentle. God worked it out. And my wife will tell you, our relationship is different. She experiences a gentler me. But guess what? I got kids. And my kids don't want to obey me. Right? They don't do what I tell them to. And they do it over and over. And I get mad and I frustrate. You know what? I've been screaming at my kids. I've not only been yelling. I've been screaming. I've been domineering. I've been trying to put them in their place and being authoritative. And it's horrible. And now the Holy Spirit's convicting me again. I'm such a jerk. God, help me. And right now I'm in this place of like, I need you, Holy Spirit, to change me, to not be so upset. Grant me patience and gentleness. So that's what it looks like in my life, but I know the Holy Spirit works. And you know, the, the question that can then pound me, though, in the midst of this, right, is my return to anger and harshness evidence that God doesn't love me, right? He hasn't really changed me? No. No, but there can be this temptation when sin returns in our lives to think God doesn't care because if he did, he would keep this from happening. But the new thought, or I know God loves me based on Jesus dying for me. God's going to transform this part of me too. He has set me free from sin, and I don't have to do it. His Spirit lives in me and is transforming. And if I ask anything according to His will, I know He hears me, and I have what I've asked from Him. And so I'm trusting God will change me. So that's what it looks like. Your story is going to be different, but you've got the same God who loves you and the same Holy Spirit that lives in you. But the Holy Spirit's given when we trust in Christ. So if you have yet to place your faith in Jesus, can I encourage you to do that now? Even now in this big room with lots of people. Right, right where you're at, can you just tell God, I'm sorry for my rebellion and my sin. Please forgive me. Thank you for your love and that Jesus died to pay for my penalty and rose from the dead to give me true life. Talk to him. Tell him, come into my life, Jesus. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. If you truly ask Jesus to do that, whether that's right now or sometime in the past, God answered your prayer. You are his beloved child. So let me close with this passage from Romans 8. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not graciously give us all things? 
Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? No one. Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God and is indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or any circumstance? No! In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, neither things present or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all of creation is able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. To all of you who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you. And peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Father God, I thank you that you're here. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for your transformation. Help us to get it. Holy Spirit, change our hearts. And help us to know that we know that we know. That you love us and we live in light of that reality. Amen.